Big love to the two Johnnies for another entertaining afternoon here on 2FM. It is Wednesday, November 2nd. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and seven bells, South African World Cup winner BJ Bota and what to expect from the Springboks this weekend as Ireland aim to build on the highs of the summer. Yeah, it's a huge week um, and it's the week that we, we need. We need to show that we can come back from something very special in the summer and go and do it all over again and make sure the consistency of performance and everything is there against a team that is obviously world champions but a team that will test us in, in different ways to how New Zealand tested us in the summer. We also have a pair of tickets to Ireland versus South Africa to give away. More on that very, very shortly. In association football, Fergal Brennan reviews and previews the decisive round of the Champions League group stage and in Gaelic games. Damien Lawler is in studio as we catch up with Bally Gunner and Waterford Sharp shooter Desi Hutchinson. See where the dropping ball will go. Desi's there and Desi has the ball now with the 20 minute. He goes lower to shot the goal. He's arrived in the game all right. He leaps off the ground in celebration. It's the goal that Bally Gunner craved. Oh, what a goal by Desi Hutchinson. Route one. Something that Bally Gunner probably hasn't done a lot. Straight down on top of Desi Hutchinson and Darren Mullen. He fetches the ball out of the air. He strokes him off. Back on his favourite left hand side and he rattles the back of the net. Game on now. Came on now is right. As always, if you want to get in touch, well, please do. You can text us on 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2FM. Game On on 2FM. Yes, hello there. Good evening. It's great to have your company in this uh, windy and wet Wednesday evening. Damien Lawler has taken refuge from the uh, storm outside and joins me. Damien Lawler, how are you? Yeah, from one storm to another, Shane. Yeah. All is good. <laughs> Still uh, fresh from uh, club celebrations. Your own uh, beloved local club have uh, won, were crowned Tipperary champions for the first time in 37 years. Yeah, a very emotional day now. And um, the last few days have been fantastic. Like, of course. Uh, kind of grew up watching Killer One win a lot. And, um, I, you know, it, it didn't happen then for quite a while at the top level. We've always been producing players for the county and we've always been producing good underage teams, but we were waiting a long time for this one to come through. And to be senior hurling championships, uh, champions at Tipperary, it's a big, big mantle. Mm. And uh, it took us a long time to get back. But, you know, I'd grown up watching the, the team winning All-Ireland and winning Munster and winning county titles. And um, you kind of, you don't ever take it for granted, but we just missed it so much. And a general expectation would have been that this team had possibly missed the boat as well too, Shane. Um, we've got people like Seamus Hennessy who's 19 seasons playing, uh, injured, uh, encountered massive injuries in his career but got over that. Jack Peters, Owen Hogan, these guys could easily have folded over the last couple of years but didn't. And um, we've some fine players obviously playing for Tipperary and we've some fine underage players too that have come through and it all came together nicely last Sunday. And we lost a lot of loved ones in the parish in the last few years and, and they were the first thing that came into most of our, our minds mm. at the final whistle. So it was a, a very emotional time. Uh, but Killer One people are humble too and they'll they'll deal with it now and they'll get on with it and uh, they'll keep it quiet and get ready for a big chat, big championship match at the weekend in Munster. Yeah, just a small matter of Bally Gunner, nine-time Waterford champions. Just the, just the, the, big, the best team in the country at <laughs> yeah. the moment. Yeah. You'd be grand. It's not like you're playing the All-Ireland. Oh, oh wait, oh, wait. <laughs> uh, we will be uh, chatting to Desi Hutchinson very shortly, so a uh, perfect timing um, for that conversation. But before we do, just a couple of news headlines um, to rattle off, starting with rugby Munster scrum half Craig Casey 
will captain the Ireland A team in Friday night's clash with a New Zealand 15. Casey's involvement with the A side confirms that Jemison Gibson Park will make his comeback from injury in the senior Ireland match day 23 against South Africa on Saturday, with Conor Murray also involved there. Casey partners Leinster man Kieran Frawley in the half packs of the Ireland A side, while Ulster's James Hume teams up with Leinster's Jamie Osborne in midfield. Jacob Stockdale, Jimmy O'Brien and Mike Lowry make up a strong looking back three. That trio also confirms then that Hugo Keenan is fit to feature for the Ireland senior side. Jeremy Lockman, Dave Heffernan and Tom O'Toole form the A-team front row while Leinster's Joe McCartney is in the second row alongside Gavin Thornbury of Connacht. Keane Prendergast, Nick Timoney and Gavin Coombs form a dynamic back row. The Ireland A bench includes Munster's backs Jack Crowley and Calvin Nash as well as Leinster's Ross Maloney who had not been named in the uh, Ireland a group initially. Sticking with rugby, the IRFU has released the names of the 29 players who've taken up the first women's professional rugby full-time contracts and offer in this country. With Ireland 15's captain Nicola Friday among the notable absentees of union contracts, which range in value from €15,000 to €30,000 per season, and that is before appearance fees and bonuses. Some internationals have chosen to remain on amateur um, status and pursue separate careers, while others will be semi pro with clubs in England rather than training full-time here and you can see the full list of contracted players on the RT Sport website um, I did promise an L competition for Ireland South Africa tickets and it is all with thanks to Aldi because Aldi has partnered with the IRFU since 2016 providing substantial investment in the Aldi Play Rugby programme aimed at encouraging school children to get active, take part in regular exercise and to eat healthy. Participation in the programme has increased by almost 50% since Aldi began its sponsorship. So, this evening, thanks to Aldi, you have the chance to win two tickets to Ireland versus South Africa this Saturday at the Aviva Stadium. All you have to do to be in with a chance to win is answer the following question. Who are the current Rugby World Cup champions? If you know the answer to that, text your answer, county and email address Two five one five five two, and we will announce the winner before the end of the show. As always, RT competition terms and conditions apply. See two fm.e for details. So the question again: Who are the current Rugby World Cup champions? So uh, get your answers into that one. Just to update you on the Champions League matches that are ongoing at the moment. Bad news for Celtic; they are two down. Luka Modric got a six-minute penalty and Rodrigo in the last few moments there has uh, scored a 21st-minute penalty. So Celtic trailing uh, in Madrid to Real Madrid by two goals to nothing and Shakhtar Donetsk are losing um, to RB Leipzig 1-0 there as well. However, Damien Lawler is in studio and Desi Hutchinson joins us as well now. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to turn our attention uh, to... Gaelic Games and uh, Desi Hutchin of course is Ballygunner and Waterford star and Desi uh, joins us now part of the launch for this year's AIB GA All-Ireland Club Championships and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships this season AIB will honour the toughest players those who persevere no matter the challenge ahead giving their all for their club and community year after year AIB is celebrating its 32nd year supporting the GA All-Ireland Club Championships and their 10th year sponsors of the Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships so Desi Hutchinson thank you for taking the call how are you sir? All good now, lads. Thanks good. for having me on. No worries at all. I, as mentioned at the start of the show, it's absolutely perfect timing. Uh, I do want to have a chat with yourself, but we've Damien Lawler here who's just sitting across uh, from me with a massive smile on his face, Desi. So I say, Ballygunner are going to have some job now come uh, come Sunday in the Munster quarterfinal. <laughs> 
Uh, look, definitely. Uh, that's once your club for you, no matter who you're playing, it's always going to be a, a massive test and this Sunday is going to be no different against Killowan. Absolutely, but listen, talking through the, the Ballygunner season so far, just the ninth county title in a row, <laughs> things things aren't going too badly down there? Uh, no, not at all. Look, it's been it's been a great few years for us. Um, it's only my fourth now, so there's a few lads ahead of me on, in terms of having their medals or whatever, but um, no, look, it's great. There's a great uh, atmosphere in the club at the moment, and the last couple of years there's tremendous work going on from juvenile all the way up to adult level, and I suppose we're we're reaping new rewards off it at the moment and long may it continue. Absolutely. Damien, if I bring you into the conversation here as well, yeah. um, given the fact you are, of course, uh, RTGA journalist. Like, speaking of Ballygunner, I know Desi mentions it there. It's, it's, he's been around for five, the club is nine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a remarkable run. Yeah, it's a, a remarkable run from a remarkable club. And um, just, I've seen them probably a lot of times over the last decade or so, and you, you've seen the development. And, and Desi, I suppose... I've seen the development off the field as well and I think um, way back in 85, 86 when, when Killer One were at the peak I think uh, the year we won the All-Ireland club title our, our junior team won a county title as well and I just noticed too your intermediates and juniors are flying it again and just the, the, the work off the field is there to be seen as well isn't it like in terms of the culture and the development and everybody wants to be involved in that club which is great Yeah absolutely as you said the, the culture in the club at the moment is is absolutely it's unreal to be honest with you and to have so many teams doing well as you said our, our juniors and intermediates uh, had a good year this year our juniors were betting the county final but our intermediates won won one and uh, look they're a, a big part of our senior group at the moment as well so incredible to I suppose we're probably lucky as well that we have a generation of players there that are, that are just full of quality and as I said before in, in other interviews and stuff that we're just trying to be the most successful we can while we have this couple of players and then I suppose leave it for the next generation that's going to come through because there's definitely plenty of young players within the club as well It's such a, a great balance and good mix and you mentioned <clears throat> excuse me some of the younger lads uh, Pat Fitzgerald Cormac Cantwell Keane Troy you know, you, these guys are coming through as well but but in terms of aim, aims now and I suppose you know we mentioned the, the nine in a row in Waterford but and yes of course you, you got the 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 all-important All-Ireland uh, title as well last season. It's two Munsters. Like, h- historically, how difficult has it been when you step out of Waterford and, and not pushing on a, on a regular basis, perhaps? Look, there's no doubt about it. It's been, it's been very it's been very tough, but I think that's, I think that's the Munster club for you. There's, it's so competitive there that maybe not in other provinces, like, you know, so any team that's in the Munster club this year could easily go on and win it. And, we'll be doing our best to, to go and win it as well but we know there's going to be huge challenges on the way and that's going to happen on Sunday with, with our first game against uh, Kilroan. Um but look maybe we have underachieved a little bit outside of Waterford but I think that's down to the how competitive the Munster Championship is Desi just when you came back from the, the soccer career um, did you find the transition hard and was that transition helped a bit by just how far the club game here and the inter-county game has progressed maybe since before you left to go across channel yeah definitely look it's, it's changed massively and probably a lot of stuff I maybe would have been doing in England has come in, has creeped into the GA now in terms of the training styles and stuff like that so I was probably exposed to it a bit sooner than other people are and then when I came back I suppose I had that head start on that side of the game and I just need to focus on the hurling you know that kind of way so yeah. it kind of it mixed well in the end because a lot of our training and stuff is, is going towards what maybe some soccer clubs and other professional uh, professional sides would be doing 
Um, so the transition, look, there's no doubt about it, it was hard, the physicality side of it. I obviously needed to improve on and then touching up on the hurling too. Well, it hasn't been going too bad touching up yeah, in the hurdle. you're doing okay in that front, is he? <laughs> Very, yeah. I, I have to ask, are you still in touch with anyone from, from Brighton or, or from Waterford as well? Waterford, of course, have a big playoff coming up uh, this Friday evening. Yeah, you'd be talking to a few lads. Like, I know I know there's a couple of lads still at Waterford there. And then in terms of Brighton, I suppose I would have kept in contact with a good few of the Irish lads, like Jason Malumpy, uh Danny Mandrew, that's actually just gone back over the water again. So... Warren O'Hara there's, there's a lot of lads you still touch base with now and again like you know and in terms of Waterford here I suppose there's not too many left at the club that would have been there when I was there but then there's local lads that you'd know you'd know a bit uh, like the Brian Murphy and um, Shane Griffin and these guys so look they're having a they're having a great season and hopefully they can get over the line now the next hope I think it's like four games and they'll, they'll be back up yeah, no. So Friday evening for those uh, who aren't aware, it's the uh, first division playoff final uh, in Marketsfield in Limerick. Uh, Friday evening at a quarter to eight, um, and of course then it is that that big Munster quarter final um, on Sunday, Ballygunner against uh, Crown McDonough's. Um, in terms of of I suppose overall this year for yourself, Desi. Listen, there obviously is the the narrative about how Waterford's season went, and and before we we I suppose dive into that somewhat, was it nice just being welcomed back into the club after after how the the inter county season went? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, look, to be honest, obviously the inter county season was very disappointing. But I think when we came back into the club, we kind of just forgot about it, and we're so lucky that we have such a good group in Ballygunner that it's so easy to come back into, and you know you have to throw your head down straight away if you want to be part of the, the starting team so like there's such a competitive environment there that you've no time to dwell on anything or you know take that extra time off or things like that so but it's a great group to come back into the positivity around the place is brilliant and I think that's down to a lot of our success as well and do you feel that positivity then will will translate to, to Waterford then in the in the coming season of course Davy back at the helm yeah, please God, I will look at the moment for a Walford player and a Walford supporter. It's an exciting time uh, to be part of it, and I think Davy's going to be great for us. Like you know, anywhere he's gone, he's done an excellent job, and he's been relatively successful. And I know he wants to become even more successful. So, and so do we as players. So, please God, we can we can drive it on again and and see where it takes us. But there's definitely a hungry group of players there that know they're capable of going far in a championship. And unfortunately, the year that's just passed was was disappointment um, but we just have to get up and go again What will Davey bring to it in, in terms of improving and, and driving forward now for you as a group? I think he'll bring a, a huge level of professionalism like I think he'll he'll get every everything that we need in place to leave us go and express ourselves and, and get back to the top table I think I think that's one thing he's very good at and he gives everything to that um, and then obviously look he, he's a passionate man he's passionate about hurling and I'm sure he's going to be passionate about Waterford um, so look that can only drive us on but ultimately it's going to be down to us the players to take all that on board and, and drive it on with him We have a text in here uh, Maureen from, from Waterford 51552 is a text number uh, and she asks can you ask Desi will you be uh, will you be I won't read out word for word but will you be encouraging your club mate Stephen O'Keefe to get back into the inter-county fold uh, Look I've said this numerous times we would all love to have uh, Sock back um Obviously, I would. I think everyone in Ballygunner would, everyone in Waterford would. So we'll have a quiet word in his ear, all right. But look, we're not going to do too much begging or anything like that. Sock has a lot going on at the moment. He's due to get married in, in a few months' time. And 
he's 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 busy with work and that. So look, Sock will make his own decision. But look, it'll be it would be great to to get him back in involved with Walford because I think the last two years kind of showed how much we did miss him at times. Um, and look, to me, he's the best he's the best goalkeeper in the country. Daisy, just to get your opinion on something, as a as an intercounty and a club forward, um, have you had to adjust maybe to the way? the game of hurling has evolved and developed and maybe a lot of teams will look to cut out the space for the likes of yourself and, and they'll, they'll, they'll look to block that channel out and it might mean you making run after run without any possession of the ball and, and when you do get possession of the ball you've got that split second to make a count uh, and I suppose people will argue hurling has always been like that but really it's so difficult for inside forwards to, to Limerick make it look easy but for everybody else it seems to be difficult to work it up to those channels is that something you had to get your head around or maybe evolve a little bit or would you have your own thoughts on that? Yeah look I think, I think you have to work work a lot at it especially at inter-county level because as you said you have that split second and you might be after making five six runs without getting the ball and you might only get five or six possessions in the whole game Like, so you need to try and make them count so it, it is difficult Like, but look it comes back to the style of the play the team wants wants to play and what mm. what the manager wants like I know from with Ballygunner we have it we we get the ball in quite fast like you know so it suits me and you can make a run then but at other times you might be playing in a different system that you have to be a lot more patient and, and be clever with the way you are because as you said teams now are, are setting up defensively and it is very hard to get the ball in there but you just have to work on, on different types of movement and, and analyse analyse um, different oppositions and what way they do set up I'm always curious, particularly when, when we're chatting club hurling or indeed football as well, like what's the communication between the management team and the players? Like when, you know, away from the training field perhaps in, in, in analysing opponents as well, but in developing your own game, like how much input is there from the playing group? That is huge. I think our group in Ballygunner, there definitely is a great mix of uh, communication between management and players and then players have their input as well so I think we're really lucky in Ballygunner to have that at the moment um, look that could change if a different manager came in every manager has their different styles but here in Ballygunner it's a it's a very good mix of both good communication coming from players and management and you know exactly what you need to do when you're going out on the pitch or you'll be aware of things not to do and what way teams are set up and now so we do a lot of that here in Ballygunner I have a final one for me then, Desi. Um, Franks, David Franks, was a, he was a class uh, defender in his day. Can you get something from his perspective on the game as well, as well as you being an out-and-out out natural forward? I'm sure he has his own views on it as well. Yeah, he does, absolutely. Look, he was a, he was a great cornerback himself, so he knows exactly what a cornerback doesn't want and um, what he'd love a corner forward to be doing. You know? So we, we do, he does share that with us. Um, but look, Franks has been with us with us the last five or six years now and he's a, he's he's one of our own at this stage but he's a, he's been a great addition to us and the longer we keep him the more successful we're going to be in Ballygunner because he's a, he's a top class guy and a top class coach Absolutely well Desi you're a top class man yourself as well I really appreciate you taking the call and the very best of luck uh, come Sunday in that Munster quarter final Thanks a million lads Thanks Desi so that was Desi Hutchinson uh, chatting to us there ahead of the uh, AIB Club Championship um, on Sunday. Um, after that conversation, Damien, are you full of confidence for your own beloved uh, club now? <laughs> look, I mean, there's no point in, in shying away from it. It's a, it's a massive challenge. Yeah. But look, isn't it great to be in that position? And we've we've great pride in our club too, and uh, in Killer One. And I think that um, you know we're Munster champions a long time ago too. So they'll have to. I think the lads know themselves like 
they don't want to turn up and just uh, feel the team for the sake of it. No, <laughs> far no. from it. They have to throw everything at, at, at Ballygunner, but it's going to take everything. But and it's like, in it's in Walsh. It's in Walsh, it's in Walsh Park. Yeah. yeah, I was going to text Desi to see if he'd give us the air code. And, and the, <laughs> the address. Um, but no, look, you, we've got we we got some great players on our team as well. Yeah. And, um, People will argue the job is done for us now, but Monster Championship's there to be torn at as well, and hopefully the lads will do that. Absolutely, absolutely. On the wider GA um, discussion, I, I do want to want to chat to you about the GA president, but yeah. we we mentioned Davy and Waterford there. Will, will that be instant success, or or will it take time to? I think I think it's a good question because I think his track record shows he delivers very quickly mm. in, in in teams, and uh, I I think it's a it's a really good solid. Um, you know, move that he goes that he goes back in. Or people say never go back, but uh, he he wouldn't agree with that. Mm. And I think like um, you know, a lot of those players maybe it, it suits them to play under Davy's systems as well. And the game is evolving. And I'm fascinated to see what he will bring. And getting Stephen O'Keefe back will be will be a big one. Like they have a good goalkeeper there, but Stephen O'Keefe is top 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 rank. Mm. Um, the the game is evolving at a rate of knots. And I would have felt myself that Waterford were the team to, to give Limerick the closest rattle that they get last year uh, this year and mm. it turned out to be Kilkenny I was very surprised at what happened Waterford after the league final did they do too much too quickly I'm not so sure but Davies got some great the point I'm making is they're well up the rank Shane mm. and Davies got some great talent to work with some great individual talent and some fine hurlers as well that can play in the system they're down a couple of hurlers okay but he doesn't have to tweak too much he, no that's the point I'm making mm. I mean I think uh, his presence, his energy, uh, his organisation will definitely give him uh, another dimension. Liam Cahill and Mikey Beavens did great, you know, in my in my opinion, but it went south for them after the league. And I, I'm still not sure what happened there. Mm. Um, so I think if Davey gets to the bottom of that and makes sure that doesn't happen again, I think it's a good solid bet for them. And particularly in year one and year two, He's a, a proven record. He's a proven record everywhere he's gone anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. It will be very interesting to see and very much looking forward to the new uh, inter-county season. Um, and speaking of new things happening in the GA, we might have a new uh, GA president. Well, we will have yeah, a new will, GA yeah. president uh, yeah. very soon. few people have their uh, hat thrown into the ring. I was reading your story on the, the mm. RT Sport website. Yeah, so Niall Erskine from Donegal was the, the first to put his hand up. Um, his last probably administration role at a Crow Park level would have been chair of the, the World Council uh, under John Horan's term. Uh, Pat Tehan officially threw his uh, name into the hat yesterday evening. The current Leinster Council chairperson, he got ratified by the Offaly Management Committee at a meeting last night. Uh, Pat Tehan, as long as I've been involved in the GEA, Pat Tehan has been a, a volunteer administrator. Mm. Uh, as long as I've been involved as well, Jarlett Burns has been there, like Niall Erskine before them. They've, they've served their time with club. Obviously, Jarlett was an unbelievable player, an iconic figure in the Armagh shirt. Uh, but he's a well-regarded administrator too and came very close to victory the last time only to be pipped by Larry McCarthy. So he'll fancy his chances too, Shane. It'll be an intriguing race. That's just three that we know of. I'm, I'm not ruling out another name or two coming into the mix. Another name anyway, at least. Okay. Um, and we'll know by next year's Congress because uh, that'll be the Uchtron Tuffet then in Larry McCarthy's final year. And, um, you know, they'll have a good watching brief. And, and you know, it's the terms go very quickly. It's like only yesterday, Larry McCarthy. Yeah. No. And I still remember the, the, the first question I asked Larry McCarthy was, What's your target as GEA president? To get the games back on the field. That's where we were when he took over. We were in the middle of COVID and I don't know what stage, but that's where we were anyway. Yeah. Well, listen, 
speaking of which, I know you were very humble coming in here saying, no, Shane, we're just chatting about Desi, we're just chatting about the club and um, and it will be interesting to see uh, who will become the next GA president. But I have to mention, Dame, <coughs> speaking of COVID, you have recently enough released an L book, <coughs> one of many, I might add, one of many, uh, After the Storm, the GA COVID and the Power of the People, uh, published by Black and White and available in all bookshops. Um, what made you write it? Was yeah. it... it Covid hobby or no? Well, I mean, oh. I, I was weary of it now after doing two years of news reporting for RT Sport out of it, and uh, my publisher was kind of saying to me, "Have you, have you any plans to follow up on on your last book? Uh, when the world stops watching was the last one. That was how people transitioned into retirement." And uh, bottom line, Shane, I, I gave him my idea about doing a book about Covid, and he shot it down straight away. And he said, "Nobody's interested. We're all sick of it. We're all weary." And I said, "I agree with you, but this is what I have in mind." So I listed out about maybe. Five or six bizarre and unique stories that happened around that time. I listed out another four or five stories of personal resilience and comebacks and human interest stuff. And he, he kind of said, well, that's entirely different than what I thought it was going to be about. Mm. So he, he gave me a trail to start off on. I showed him some chapters and that I subsequently uh, interviewed and typed up and all the rest of it. And he said, yeah, this is the angle I want. So even though COVID is a, is a, is a tagline, it's really about people, how GEA people and how the GEA communities uh, dealt with this. For example, um, a barrister, Niall Murphy, up in Belfast, was 16 days on a ventilator in a coma. He was chairman of Club Antrim, the, the supporters club yeah. up there. Um, and the nurses and doctors gave him such care that when he when he woke up from the, the coma, and he was 50-50 whether he would or not, he devoted a lot of his time to trying to make sure the nurses were being looked after, you know, and and, and, and in a just manner. Because for all the hours that they were putting in the health service, you know yourself. Mm. Marianne Walsh was from Moonkine in um, in Kilkenny. She got diagnosed with, with cancer, unfortunately, at the start of COVID. She had five or six months of, of chemotherapy and all that kept her going was playing camogie for Moonkine again. She ended up winning a county championship ah, seven months later and brilliant. getting Kilkenny Player of the Year. There's so many stories like that, Shane. And that's that's why I, I ploughed ahead with the book. And peppered in between is kind of the administration side of things, but that's down to a minimum. So it's really just stories of comebacks. It could have been at any time, but it was the, during the pandemic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you strip it all back, isn't that what the, the GA is about? People about looking those, after yeah, other people. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, and I'm not just saying it because you're sitting across from me, but it is a, a smashing read. So as I mentioned there, After the Storm, the GA COVID Thanks, and the Power of the People uh, by Damien Lawler. It's published by Black and White and available at present in all bookshops if it's not already sold out so <laughs> stocking fillers are we getting we're getting closer to Christmas already so definitely uh, get involved there Damien Lawler thank you very much uh, for popping in to have a chat uh, we are going to be chatting to World Cup winner BJ Bota uh, on the small matter of Ireland versus the Springboks on Saturday so stay with us here on Game On 2FM Game On Rugby now you are very welcome back to Game On before we chat rugby just to update you with the Champions League matches that are ongoing at the moment Shakhtar Donetsk are still trading Leipzig 1-0 at half time and Celtic nearly found themselves a lifeline they are trailing at Real Madrid at the Bernabeu at 2-0 and just before half time there I think they're in a stoppage time of the first half still at the moment Juranovic missed a penalty for Celtic uh, and it's well penalties are plenty because Luka Modric scored a penalty in the 6th minute before Rodrigo uh, converted one in the 21st minute but uh, Real two up and Juranovic in the 35th minute there um, missed a penalty for Celtic so Celtic of course already knocked out of Europe but looking to uh, finish on a high but certainly will have a very tough 45 minutes to come uh, BJ Bota 
is on the line and will be chatting to us now. But before we uh, chat to BJ, we can hear from Razzie Erasmus, who was uh, chatting with our own Michael Corcoran. And of course, Razzie heavily involved with South Africa. But uh, Michael Corcoran started by asking Razzie about his time with Munster. Yeah, it's... Uh to talk Castle Connell specifically uh, and, and Limerick and Cork and, and then the, the rest of Ireland because uh, you have to be accepted in the country you know you go to a country and you come with an Afrikaans accent there and people have to get used to you and you have to get used to them and then Axel passed away and you don't actually know how the things work and you know the people guide you through that and, and although people thought we as a team and as a management handled that pretty well I thought the people handled it well you know because uh, I, I don't even know how funeral work uh, in Ireland to be to, it's much different in South Africa uh, and, and and we've been through emotional times together and I learned a lot about rugby and about personal things and gone through a lot of things that I, I think if Irish people weren't the way they were uh, in other country I might have said you know you're from the outside here you know uh, tough luck if you don't understand it but they, they don't do it that way they help me uh, so uh, Nice to be back. It's, uh, I know it's not going to be easy or friendly, uh, but I know Irish people are good people. In terms of the Rugby World Cup, everybody talks about that. It's down the track, we know. So does Saturday's game have any relevance in terms of that, given the fact that both teams are, are in the same pool? Uh, it, 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 I think it spiced it up uh, because they gave us 38 points last time. You know, uh, uh, and it was just before the World Cup and we would have played them somewhere. And obviously we did a lot of analysis in 2019. Uh, uh, I think when we played Japan, uh, it might have been Ireland there. So we did obviously analysis on them. And um, yeah, I just think we haven't beaten them here, I think 2012 last in Ireland. So the thing is, since 2018, we were really bad at some things. We, didn't, we had a 50% win record and we lost some bad games with bad scores. So you can't actually make it relevant because it's the World Cup has been with all the British and Irish Lions has been since so this is totally two new teams you know it's just other coaches um, so a new game it's just a new game Rosie, can I ask you one final question if you don't mind I think you mentioned earlier that it's your first time back in the coaching box this coming weekend um, have you learned something about yourself in your absence from the coaching box and how frustrating has that been and are you looking forward to to being there this weekend again. Yeah, I've certainly learned. I love rugby. Uh, uh, and I love match days and I love being with the guys in the change room and I missed it out a lot. And you know, it's yeah, it's something that it's gonna be nice to be back. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not nice not to be with, with the guys or during the week with the guys and then there the bus goes with the players and you, you go to your to your room. So uh, I really love rugby, I love South Africa, I like the boys, the boys we, we get on well and it's nice to be back. So that was Razi Erasmus chatting to Michael Corcoran from a South African point of view and we'll hear from uh, the Irish perspective with Andy Farrell tomorrow as uh, he announces his team to face South Africa as well as uh, noting you can hear live commentary of the big one on Saturday Sport and RT Radio 1 this weekend. So all eyes on Viva Stadium on Saturday and I'm delighted to say former Munster and Ulster player and of course World Cup winner BJ Bota joins me now BJ how are you sir? Shane how are you doing? Thanks for having me on Pleasure pleasure is always to chat um, Listen I suppose we may as well just dive straight in and uh, get your perspective on I suppose what South Africa will bring uh, to Ireland, what should Irish fans expect from a very potent team? 
Yeah, I suppose they can expect nothing different, you know. I think uh, South Africa doesn't disappoint, and I suppose, uh, you know, they bring exactly what they expect, you know. Um, the artillery up front, you know, really bringing their kind of game into a place where they suffocate their position through the mall and, uh, you know, getting that through the penalties and obviously through the scrum aspects up front, and then obviously hopefully releasing the exciting backs up front, um, at the back, you know. But, yeah, I think um, in one part, I think Ireland knows what's coming. But even if you do, you know, with the pressure game and the kicking game that the Springboks do, you know, and if they get the upper hand, they're always, always tough to counter. But as we've seen, and as Rossi mentioned, 2012 was the last time the Springboks actually got over the, got over Ireland and now being part of the teams that have lost their lands down road. It's a, it's a hell of a tough nut to crack. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be um, a tough one for them this weekend. A traditional early team announcement from South Africa, as always. Cheslin Colby at fullback for the first time. Um, and will Emza at 10? Like, how will he get on at 10 instead of further in the back line and such a strong back? Like, what do you make of the team selection overall? Yeah, I think, it's a, I think firstly, it's our strongest side we can put out, really. Really, our strongest selection we can put out. It's exciting to see Cheslin back. Obviously, he's played 15 before, but we do see him obviously more often on the wing. Really exciting, you know, having him back in the team and slotting straight into 15. Obviously, Damien, you know, coming and slotting at 10. We don't have, obviously, Andre, um, you know, coming at his, uh, you know, standard position at 10. However, you know, Damien is an exciting player. He showed that through the USC what he's capable of. Uh, but again, quite a quite a standard selection. Other than other than those two, I think you know the combinations you know know each other well. Jesse Creel obviously coming in for Lacanya, um, and you know the packs don't quite the same. I think that's our best 15 we could have selected, and and and, and you know a few changes on the bench, but really um, a side that knows what 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 Ireland will bring on Saturday, which which is going to be tough. So speaking of the bench, um, South Africa have gone with a 6-2 split and there is this narrative and the talk around the Springboks bomb squad again on the bench that can possibly negate Ireland's uh, threats come Saturday. I suppose, BJ, just for our listeners who mightn't be aware, if you could spell out what is meant by the bomb squad for the Springboks and, and how it is implemented. Yeah, I suppose the bomb squad relates to the fact that, uh, you know, the guys will obviously make a difference and, you know, kind of really be a timing bomb, uh, I suppose a time bomb when they, when they do come up and really to explode. And I suppose the 6-2 split really is, is shown that, you know, they're kind of uh, shown that what they, they're going to add to the to the pack and again enhance the fact that you know where the Springboks are going to put most of the most of the kind of interest in the game, which is in the forwards, you know, really kind of try and take them, you know, into the moors, into the scrums, into the tight phases. And, you know, I suppose from a, from a selection perspective, we have, you know, utility forwards there. A guy like Dion Free, you can cover multiple positions up front. And Quacker Smith, who's obviously a, a player we've seen multiple times, actually, is a forward, but we've seen multiple times actually in the back line. So, yeah, interesting selections that players can cover numerous positions. But, look, the front row is formidable. Um, Bongi and, and Ox and Vincent Koch are formidable players knowing um, that Vincent is obviously playing in Europe and you know formidable front row that comes off the bench um, and that's what they want they want to enhance that that, 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 that force up front at around the 55 minute mark and, and, and kind of then take that even further In your opinion what's Ireland's identity at the moment under Andy Farrell and his management team? Identity would be I think you know they're really playing for me um, exciting rugby um, the big identity for me is how the forwards and the backs link up I suppose they really felt that 
I suppose that that link from the back line and the forwards and they're playing exciting fast paced rugby um, and you know really got numerous op- uh, options around the field with with six and obviously at ten you know as we've as we've as we've spoken I think the last two about six then he just keeps on delivering you know in the big games you know that's what he lives for so yeah I, I assume he's obviously going to you know come through that again and we see from a forwards perspective they're going to need to counter that so they, they are going to come with a different a little bit of a different game plan I think they definitely need to obviously come up front and I wouldn't say match South Africa because they are they do play a different game up front uh, but they do you know add with their trick players around the forwards and they'll definitely bring something special in the back line as well but the identity really is to is to play in one part just outside that collision that collision um, I suppose that they've shown with South Africa just outside the collision zone where South Africa are strong uh, make, the, make the big forwards get off the ground and tire them and then you know hopefully find the space out wide Will this match define exactly where Ireland are at realistically because you know take away world ranking numbers they're just number on pages like will this be a, the real asset test well I don't know I think they've shown they're already winning in New Zealand, <laughs> New Zealand you know it's always it's always the it's always the next one isn't it you're only as good as your last game really but yeah look I think you know it's, it's ironic I take myself I was part of that group in 2006 where we lost that uh, famous game where we played with the different jerseys in Lansdowne Road and obviously what happened the following year was was obviously great for South mm. Africa so look don't want to look too deep into that however I think Ireland are in a definitely a better place I think the consistency is key in the performance you want you know uh, I do think they are in a very good place I think you know where they are at the moment with the team with the selection it's quite consistent and I think the, the guys are gaining good momentum going through so look I don't think for instance, which I don't, I think it's going to be a very tight encounter, and I think it's going to be a tough one for the box. But I do feel, if for instance the box do get one over the island, uh, one over Ireland, I don't think that's kind of oh well, we've seen the best of them. I think there's definitely something going forward. I do believe, and um, look, uh, I, I know and have played against numerous players that are in the Ireland, obviously squad and the team. So they are they are guys that um, you know in there for the long run, and I suppose the eyes are definitely on next year as well. Absolutely. You mentioned jerseys there, but we'll avoid that conversation because there's been a lot of unrest on social media to say the least Ireland will be uh, playing their new navy and green uh, alternate jersey uh, against the dark green of South Africa. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out from a viewer's perspective. I suppose, final question, well, I have two more questions. One, I do want to question you on uh, the BJ Bota derby that happened at the weekend, Ulster against Munster. But first, like when it's all said and done, like what is this going to come down to and and who's who's your money on come Saturday? Uh, for the weekend, obviously, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and you know kind of, uh, uh, I suppose, in one part now take a take the player aspect out of it, and I do think Ireland have got a great chance. I mean, as I said, the history speaks for itself. Mm. I think Ireland are really tough to beat in Dublin, but uh, I'm gonna go with my heart and say the box by two. Okay. But, um, I think it's gonna be a tough game, and just to say, I suppose in one sense that's not. You know, as as much as they've got a real tough, uh, tough end of the year too. You know, we go to France, we go to England, and uh, we have the added benefit of the South African A also training, which is very exciting. However, I just I think Ireland, 
uh, gaining the momentum from their tour to New Zealand as they've shown in their selection um, with Ireland A and we know sort of the selection they're going to be putting forward. Um, I think it's going to be a tough one for South Africa, but I do go with my heart now and I would say, I want to say uh, and go to South Africa by two points. Okay, well it will be interesting to see how Saturday plays out and indeed uh, these really uh, exciting autumn internationals. My final question, have you been keeping an eye on the, the four provinces from South Africa, Ulster grinding out a win over Munster as I mentioned in the, uh, the BJ Boto derby? Very much so, very much so. Yeah, I know, it's great that we get such coverage. URC, um, you know, what a tournament, uh, I suppose, what it's done for, I suppose, not only, you know, the, the, the Pro 12, Pro 14 teams, mm. but also South Africa. And, yeah, what a great tournament, really, to be part of and to, and to, and to watch, on, watch on TV. Um, yeah, great derby. Um, you know, I've been part of it many times on both sides, on both sides, which has been interesting. But yeah, look, um, it's always uh, huge encounters. And uh, look, I mean, I think hopefully, um, and we know that, you know, guys, um, I suppose, alluding to Munster, you know, always kind of, you know, asking questions. I suppose we've seen that many times and then Munster come out at the end. So look, I don't think it's done and dusted. I think there's still a great opportunity going forward. But, you know, great to see these, great to see UFC teams, uh, I suppose the derbies, still very, very much at the top list and the guys, you know, living for those contests, which is, which again, a great spectacle for the viewer. Absolutely. BJ Bowden, your gentleman, thank you very much uh, for taking the call from South Africa there as Ireland face South Africa, of course, on Saturday. And as I mentioned, live commentary on uh, Saturday Sport and RT Radio 1. We are going to be turning our attention to football in the final part of Game On uh, in a few moments' time in the company of Fergal Brennan. So stick with us. Game On. Football. Hello once again, I can say hello to Fergal Brennan who joins me now to chat Champions League. Fergal, last 16, confirmed teams, Bayern Munich, Benfica, Chelsea, Club Brugge, Borussia Dortmund, Eintracht Frankfurt, Interplan, Liverpool, Manchester City, Napoli, PSG, Porto, Real Madrid, Spurs and possibly AC Milan or Salzburg and either Shakhtar Donetsk or Leipzig. Before we look at this evening's matches, uh, the second half has just kicked off in the Bernabeu, Real Madrid 2, Celtic 0 and Shakhtar Donetsk 0, Leipzig 1 in the uh, early kickoffs this evening. But let's look back on last night, Ferglin. Harry Kane uh, is hoping that uh, Spurs' latest five-back can prove uh, the turning point uh, so he says Spurs, of course, with a last-minute winner uh, against Marseille. I mean, how many times can Spurs just rely on starting slow and just pulling it out of the bag late on? Probably not much more would be the answer in terms of when we look at the, the Champions League knockout stages in, in 2023 because there is no safety net after that, which sometimes there is in the group stages. Of course, you can have dramatic nights and, and Spurs have been part of uh, a few of them over the last few years. You think back to the Ajax semi-final, which is arguably the biggest Champions League comeback, but you can't really rely on it game in, game out in the Champions League, particularly when you look at how well Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern Munich have been in the competition so far this season. I, I do think they deserve to go through. I know it was a bit of a, a nervy one in the last few minutes for, for Spurs fans of, of where they're going to get top spot, where they're going to have to get second and then a more difficult last 16 uh, draw. I do think they do deserve to go through um, based on the balance of their performances across six games. But the knockout stages is a, is a very, very different beast. 
Absolutely, and it's very um, very important, I suppose, to finish top considering the, the quality of teams, uh, depending on the draws. Well, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, staged a second-half comeback, uh, scoring twice in 10 minutes to beat Sporting Lisbon 2-1, and they qualified in that group as well, um, qualifying for the last 16 uh, in the Champions League for the first time, of course. European Cup finalists way back in 1960, way before myself and your time, Fergal, uh, of course. There, but uh, very well done to Eintracht Frankfurt, current Europa League holders. Um, another big, big storyline from uh, last night was Bayern Munich going through an 100% record and uh, Barcelona as as we you know suspected going into uh, match day 6 as well will be playing in the Europa League bit of a fall from grace it is and obviously the second season in uh, in a row since Xavi has come back to the club that they've dropped out at the group stages and financially we know so much uh, this summer was based on winning a major title La Liga or the Champions League this season 50% of that is now gone um, that's not to say that I, I don't think they'll give it a good go in the Europa League but the prestige of, of Barcelona and the Champions League they, they seem to go hand in hand but that's not been the case this season or last season and I think the financial mess at Barcelona is, is not going to show much signs of, of slowing down because they've effectively bet the house on winning something big this season and domestically they're doing relatively well I think they'll put a bit more of a challenge up to Real Madrid this season than last season but they still look short and based on the fact that that means they're probably going to be in uh, in, in trouble again next summer I think it's just going to be a rinse and repeat situation for them but a difficult group but you would have expected them to have enough to get in second behind Bayern Munich Bayern Munich have been fantastic uh, so far this season in the Champions League but I did fancy Barcelona to have a bit more than Inter Milan but you know as the kind of old adage or the old cliche goes you've got to win the games in front of you and they, they, they just haven't done that and they deservedly similarly to Tottenham deservedly going through they probably deserve to be out Absolutely Leipzig uh, just scored another goal uh, against Shakhtar Donetsk there in the early kick-off this evening so they're leading 2-0 Real Madrid 2 up against Celtic uh, Just final question on the Barcelona-Bayern Munich uh, group from last night Penny for Robert Lewandowski's uh, thoughts he must be a man pulling his hair out <laughs> He is. I mean, he, he did quite an interesting interview in the week where he said that playing for Barcelona was a dream, something that he's wanted to do for a long time in his career. And yeah, on paper, you look at it and Bayern Munich have stormed into the last 16. But I think given the fact that his relationship with the club effectively fell apart over him pushing to leave, I don't think there'll be too many Bayern Munich fans having a great deal of, of sympathy for him or, as you say, a, a penny for his thoughts or his problems. Um, this was a, a, a move that he wanted to make. Um on, again, on the face of it, a bit of a strange one. We know that Barcelona are nowhere near the team that they were five to ten years ago, not not even close. He probably thought they would get there or get back there a bit faster, um, and it's a gamble that's spectacularly not paid off. You compare that to Sadio Mane, who's come in not as a direct replacement for him necessarily, but has come into a Bayern Munich team to help take them up a level. He's been fantastic. Bayern have been fantastic. And Lewandowski's going to be spinning his wheels in the Europa League in uh, in 2023. Absolutely. Well, one team that won't be uh, in the Europa League, uh, another European heavyweight, Atletico Madrid. I mean, what a fall from grace. Great excitement, I must say, um, mm-hmm. last night. So, um, to 
sum it up, I suppose, goals from uh, Mehdi Taremi and Stephen Ustakio helped Porto to secure a 2-1 win at home against Atletico Madrid to finish uh, top of Group B. Porto, of course, already had qualified for the last 16, but leapfrogged Club Brugge to finish as group winners with 12 points, one point ahead of Brugge, who also went through. Atletico finished last, failing even to qualify for the Europa League, as I mentioned there. And, you know, I, I was actually doing a report in this match. Porto could have easily won that match by four or five goals if it wasn't for Jan Oblak I mean we talk about falls from grace Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone it's a mess there's not really uh, any different way to, to frame it up and last week when they had that ridiculous drama against Leverkusen the penalty that hit the bar I think it was in the 8th or ninth minute of added time and then they missed the chance to win it and it, and it was just carnage you think sometimes luck's not really on your side but then based on last night the luck has very little to do with it they're just not at it in the Champions League this season and it's difficult to pin it on one thing specifically um, he has tried to freshen it up he has tried to bring in new players but they, they don't seem to have the Atletico edge that bit of grit as much as they have in previous years you think of when they've gone to Liverpool or Real Madrid in the, in the famous Champions League games they've had with them they'd fight and they'd scrap and they'd bite and they'd make it really hard to play against that's just not the case anymore I mean they're not they're not a, a pushover by any stretch but they don't have that whether it's a player thing whether it's Simeone maybe his, his appetite for the for the battle has dipped a little bit I wouldn't dare say that to his face but <laughs> he there just just seems to be something that maybe the kind of edge that was so much of what was good about Atletico Madrid kind of not quite David and Goliath but an ability to just put it up to anyone they know that they're the underdog when it comes to playing the, the real superpowers of European football and they thrived on that and they got some huge results uh, in those situations that seems to have dropped now um, and he's got a big job on his hands uh, after the World Cup he's in a similar situation to Xavi with Barcelona but they are now not expected to win anything major this season again and that will again uh, put a bit of pressure on him next summer. Absolutely, yeah. Plenty of rumours in Spain already that he could be on the way out. We'll be interested and see how it goes. Fergal, unfortunately, that is all we have time for uh, this evening. Uh, and of course, any Liverpool fans, just to give them a mention, they uh, came good yet again midweek in Europe after a league defeat. Just to update you, bad news for Celtic fans, unfortunately, they were 2-0 down. Well, you're now 3-0 down. Asensio has scored in the 52nd minute. Just before we do go, time to announce our competition winner with thanks to Aldi. Earlier on the show, I asked who are the current Rugby World Cup champions. Of course, the answer is South Africa. And a congratulations to Adam Troy from County Tipperary, who will be heading down Lansdowne Road this weekend. Thanks to Aldi for Ireland versus the Springboks. Sinead, big thank you to Laura Lee Davis, our broadcast coordinator. Ronan Lawler was a producer. I've been Shane Dawson. Thank you very much for listening. Game on. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow evening. Better the Silva is up next, so stay tuned to 2FM. But from all of the Game On team, for now, it is. Bye-bye. RTE 2FM.